Hey everyone, welcome back or welcome to Paranoid. I'm Jillian Stone and this episode is taking a deep dive into the Burning Man ritual. This is not only a pagan ritual designed for actual human sacrifice, but it is also an event that is taking place as this episode is being recorded. The Burning Man takes place in Nevada, basically in the middle of nowhere, and it is praised by celebrities near and far. It is described as a place of renewal and getting into tune with your inner self. People who come out to this event report feeling transformed and having a different mindset after going to this event. But the normies who attend this Burning Man event have no idea that they subconsciously had just participated in something far more sinister than they think. The practice of Burning Man goes all the way back to an ancient lost religion called the Ancient Order of the Droids, in which one of the most famous attendees of this religion is no other than Winston Churchill. The Ancient Order of the Droids was founded in 1874 by Robert Wentworth Little, an English mason and Rosicrucian. Flashback moment to when we were talking about the Georgia Guidestones, and I told y'all that the Guidestones were literally a replica of the Rosicrucian altar. Yep, we've got another Order of the Rosy Cross making yet another appearance in another ritual-driven experience. What's interesting is that in 1886, the name of the order was changed to the Ancient Masonic Order of the Droids, and about two-thirds of the non-Masonic members were expelled from the order, meaning that this order was just another branch of Masonry. So in this order, aka Masonic Cult, their exterior mission was to create a walking path of nature, spirituality, and inner transformation founded on personal experience and reconnection with the living earth. Notice how they talk about inner transformation and reconnection. So what's interesting about this that connects specifically to the Burning Man Festival is that back in the times of the Roman Empire in the rule of Caesar, which is also the time of Christ, Druids literally built a giant wooden cage that was formed into the shape of a man and sacrificed humans in a ritual to protect and heal soldiers who were wounded slash sick in battle. So the talk of inner transformation and reconnection is super fishy. So I did want to talk about some stories slash experiences from people who actually attended Burning Man because there were quite a few that really kept me up when doing the research for this script. One of which is possibly the most popular story of a man named Aaron Joel Mitchell. Disclaimer, this is really dark stuff so if you have children listening it may be best to turn it off for them now. So Aaron Joel Mitchell was an attendee at the Burning Man back in 2017, who all of a sudden ran into a burning structure and burned alive inside. No one knows why he did it or why no one stopped him. This story I found from a Reddit user who actually witnessed this event happening, and I honestly think that hearing this story will shake you to the core. It's called, I Need to Talk About What Happened at Element 11. She starts off by saying this. I need to talk about what happened at Element 11. The article in the other post doesn't do justice to the trauma that a lot of people went through because of this. Let's see if I can get through writing this without crying again. 
The entire three-story structure was packed with wood so that it would burn hotter and longer. They also soaked the thing in flammables so that the flames spread quickly. After the fire dancers finished their show, the board of directors marched up to the statue with flares and threw them all into it. Within a minute, the entire thing was engulfed in flames. The thing was three stories tall. The flames reached even higher. It burned for a good ten minutes before that crazy person made a run for it. There was a perimeter set up about 60 feet away from the burn. The flames were so hot that people had to back even further away. Even I was standing behind people because the heat was still burning my skin. The first thing I saw was the guards running after Aaron. I was right in front, so I had a perfect view of everything. Then I saw Aaron as he danced towards the fire. He even stopped to dance backwards for a moment. I'm not sure if I saw this correctly, but it looked like the people running after him paused for a moment when he started backing up. If they hadn't paused, he might still be alive right now. Continuing his dance, Aaron bolted forward again and did a front flip, right into a beam at the base of the fire. I couldn't be sure if what I had seen had been real. Part of the structure collapsed on Aaron when he went through the beam. At that point, any ridiculous hope that he could still be pulled out was gone. He was buried, and no one could even get close to the fire. We were still able to see him, though. I watched as his body slowly fell apart as the intense heat cooked him alive. Minutes later, after part of his body had already disintegrated and he should have been dead, his arms started twitching. It kept doing that for what felt like hours, but it couldn't have been more than minutes. If that. Even now, I still see that arm twitching every time I close my eyes. That or the flip he did right as he jumped in. Neither of those are as bad as the thought that keeps plaguing my mind. He didn't scream. How is it even possible that he didn't scream? As soon as everyone regrouped, we stood there watching the fire as the firemen were desperately trying to put it out. My legs went weak and I sat down, unable to move. Everyone is crying. Someone mentioned going to the Ascension Temple, a kind of relaxation tent, instead of watching. I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. I just sat there and watched their futile attempts to put it out. As the ash from the fire fell on us, I started to wonder how much of that used to be human flesh. I was unresponsive from somewhere around an hour. I don't really remember much of that hour, or the rest of that night for that matter. It would probably be worth mentioning that the acid I took had started peaking right around the time that Aaron had jumped in. Every moment of watching Aaron die had been seared into my mind. As my friend Judas put it, No offense, but you're most likely going to be psychologically scarred for the rest of your life. It might be a good idea to avoid acid for a bit. Eventually, the police showed up and one of us asked if we were okay. Our whole group looked pretty bad. My friends explained that we had seen it all and he asked us to fill out witness reports. Standing up to walk over to the police cars was one of the most difficult things I have ever done. While we were waiting to fill out statements, one of the Element 11 volunteers noticed me and walked over. He was worried that I was about to be sick. I didn't respond. He stood there and hugged me for a while as I cried. As we waited, they started grouping people with sheets around the remains of the fire. We couldn't see what they were covering up, but we all knew. 
I could see the paramedics walking to and from the vehicle as they carried what must have been multiple body parts. The weeding got to be too much. I didn't want to be around people, so I snuck behind the truck and walked off. In the middle of all of that horror, I abandoned my best friends out of selfishness. I am more ashamed of that than anything I've ever done. They needed me, and I just left. Walking back to camp, I was stopped by all kinds of people worried about how I looked. I still wasn't saying much, so they would just give me a hug and tell me to stay around friends. Instead, I went back to camp to throw up and be alone. I sat in the van for about an hour just staring at nothing, replaying the event over and over in my head. My arm kept twitching every time I thought about the way his arm twitched and wondered if he was still alive during that. After a while, one of my friends showed up and we talked about what had just happened. What made us even more sick than watching him burn was the way people reacted. Within minutes, there were people asking if they were still going to the second burn, worried that the party was going to be shut down and that people would have to leave. One couple set up a blanket and everything so that they could at least watch what was left of the burn. One lady kept going off about how it was her birthday that day and that it was just her luck that something like that would happen. It disgusted me. After about an hour, the music was going on again and people were went back to dancing. Celebrating life was their BS excuse. I spent the night wandering aimlessly around the entire camp, throwing up every once in a while and getting hugs from random people that could tell I was in serious shock. Around dawn, I finally managed to get some sleep, even if it was full of nightmares about melting flesh. The moment I got home and was alone in my room, I broke out sobbing uncontrollably. Every few minutes, I would start up again. In between crying, I went to get a drink and ran into my mom. She asked how it went, and I immediately started up again. I ran to my room so that my siblings wouldn't have to hear as I described what happened to my mom. I think I horrified her telling her the details of what I saw. Afterwards, it was still a couple of hours before I could stop crying enough to get some real sleep. I still don't know why Aaron did it. Why the dance? Was it suicide? Or a drug-filled craze? And worst of all, why didn't he scream? And that was the story of... I need to talk about what happened at Element 11. Doesn't that story just make you so sick? There were just so many different things that I took away from it that just leave me wondering. For one, after Aaron's death, no later than an hour did people all of a sudden jump back up to go party. And the storyteller mentioned the celebration of life thing. Not only that, but just the craziness of the guards literally stopping their chase of Aaron after he started dancing. And can we not forget that somehow Aaron just broke through two layers of security? I personally think that something more sinister was at hand at this particular burning land because the whole situation on its own gets me thinking about the infamous movie Midsummer. This movie came out in 2019 and is probably one of the most disturbing horror movies I have ever seen, mostly because, in the back of my mind, I could totally see this type of cult happening in real life. 
I mean, the similarities between what happened to Aaron and what happens at the end of the movie where they finally burn all of the bodies um, as a human sacrifice inside of the tower, it just makes me sick. All in all, I think that what the Burning Man truly is is a pagan ritual that uses the feeble minds of the public as unknowing vessels in a human sacrifice ritual. Well, I think that just about wraps up this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, and I hope that you guys learned a lot about the Burning Man, and hopefully, if you have friends who are thinking about attending or have attended, please tell them not to go again. Make sure that you follow me on TikTok and Instagram where I am stationed on for the time being. And also make sure to check out ParanoidPod.com for updates on newest episodes and merchandise by yours truly. I will see you in the next episode, guys. Bye, everyone.